0: Welcome to Prep Talk, the Emergency Management Podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the Emergency Management Department in the city that never sleeps. Here are your hosts.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Inez Bebea, and welcome to another episode of Prep Talk. On September 19th, 2022, Hurricane Fiona made landfall in Puerto Rico five years to the day of Hurricane Maria. Four days after, Mayor Eric Adams sent a multi-agency team of 14 New York City employees to assess the needs after the hurricane. Today, I will be speaking with some of the members from the team. I am joined by Jason Rolon from the Department of Buildings and Jose Torres from the Department of the Parks. Jason and Jose, welcome to the podcast. You each represent city agencies that oversee very different sectors. Can you let our listeners know what your role is in New York City? Jason, let's start with you. What is your role with DOB and how did you get started?
2: Hi, how are you? So my role, I'm currently the deputy director of construction Safety engineering. Our role is to enforce the building code and ensure construction proceeds to pursuant to the building codes. I started in 2019 as a civil engineer um, before years in March.
1: Jose, what is your role for the Parks Department and how did the skills that you use here for your day-to-day Transfer to your work in Puerto Rico.
3: I am um, I am a climber and pruner, and uh, my role is just anything tree-related. So uh, a lot of tree emergencies, trees on houses, trees on cars, trees blocking roadways. So we on the lookout for anything that could be impeding access to to other first responders like cops, firefighters, ambulance, and just general you know, access issues with uh, with tree related issues. And then also looking out for trees on electrical conductors, which might impede communities getting their power back. So that was like uh, one of our main concerns.
1: And this was your first deployment. Why did you say yes to going?
3: Oh, because I have connection to the islands. I have family in Yauco. I have my grandmother, my cousins all over the island so i felt the need to give back to the island more than just just you know as a tourist it's a great opportunity to you know provide my knowledge and my expertise in in a way that could benefit the island not just my family but most you know various people on the island
1: and jason for you this was your second deployment you were deployed also to puerto rico after the earthquakes in 2020 and now for the hurricane did the experiences have any similarities or any differences that stood out for you?
2: So this time around, the impact was much more widespread. So prior, the west side of the island was hit majority during the earthquakes. This time around, we saw damage spread throughout the island. Um, as far as the similarities, it's just the, the welcome that we got. So we received a, with open arms last time we were there. Same, as, same thing as well this time around. As far as the differences, obviously the type of damage was a little bit different. Uh, Before we saw a lot more structural damage. This time, it wasn't so much structural damage; it was more property damage. Uh, So that was some of the major differences between the response during the earthquakes and the response now.
1: So, what were Jason? What was the day-to-day like this time? Like, what did you guys? Well, what did we do? We could share to our listeners what what was our our normal day for us like.
2: So our day to day was probably approximately a twelve hour day. We would get up around six AM, head downstairs, meet with the rest of the team, and then head to our sign municipality. From there we would meet with the mayors or somebody for a representative of the mayor's office and we would just go visit the most impacted areas. From there we would do our assessments, get back to the to our meeting spot back at the hotel and kind of put together a, a debrief of our day's assignments.
1: And Jose, so as Jason is saying, like we were out there like 12 to 13 hour days, getting up early, beating cars, like sometimes two hours just to get to one location, two hours to come back. Um, what were the biggest challenges for you and what you saw as far as like the damage for the parks perspective?
3: It was just um just having the right tools, it seemed like it it seemed like most of their issues was just equipment wise. They they lacked the the right equipment to do the right jobs. So they get they get creative, and you know when, when, and and just it causes concern because it's like there's there's more proper ways to do it, but they're just trying to, you know, get back to their life. So they were trying to do a lot of things by any means possible, and you know, under those conditions, I could kind of understand what it's like. Any aid or help that they could get to get the right right equipment and clear. The, the areas they need to, it, it was, <laughs> it would have been great for them, you know? So it's like just giving you know, different alternative and ideas of what they could do is, is much needed for them.
1: So when you're talking about getting creative, I think the three of us were there where there was uh, a musli that had taken part of a road or halfway of, of a little part of the road and they had, what, what is like I think it was like metal something like a metal fence that people could drive their cars over is that yeah, is yeah
3: that- it was like yeah that that's why I was like referring to is like some situations like that where it's like we're all looking at each other like wow they, they're really using this uh to to you know to to do what they got to do and it's like I understand it's like you, you got to do what you got to do but it's like it was really sketchy and it's like I remember just Jason, you know, jumping on it and just creating, you know, start sketching out solutions right away. It was really cool to see that, you know, just everybody just flowing and trying to come up with an idea to help help the um, the people.
1: So, Jason, for you, is there anything, any moment or any personal professional from like this deployment that sticks with you?
2: So To add to what Jose was saying just about the creativity, there was one house we went to where she previously flooded flooded after the last hurricane and she kind of created, it's almost like a dam at all her entryways. So she had the system where she would drop boards in and it was actually very, very successful in preventing the water from entering her house. So that's one of the things that I, you know, took away from it that, you know, they did the best they could given the resources that they had. As far as personal experiences, previously when I was there, I met somebody there. From one of the municipalities, and you still remember me when we went there. That was I think our first visit there when, during this deployment. So that stuck with me as well.
1: So Jason, given that you've done deployments twice in getting back, what is, what is the hardest thing to adjust back to your normal life?
2: Um, so basically a day to day here. Um, obviously over there it's a different it's a different work environment. It's more field work than I do a, at here in the city. So just getting back into doing a regular nine to five behind the office and behind the desk, it was a little bit of an adjustment. And obviously we came back, it was, we were over there to Caribbean Island. So getting adjusted to the weather as well was a little bit difficult, but thankfully we did bring back some good weather that week. We were back here. So kind of helped transition us back into New York City.
1: What about you, for you, Jose? What was like the hardest thing coming back?
3: I agree. I agree with Jason. It's just like that, that the 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 way of life and everything was just different and just transitioning over here. It's just, it's, it, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, because it's, uh, is, you know, island pace and then city pace is two different things and just getting adjusted and just getting to learn the island. That, that was just like a treat itself. It's like, we're helping so many people, but at the same time, we're just, you know, learning this beautiful land. And it's like, it, it left you wanting more.
1: Yeah. I know one thing for me, like I, being my first deployment as well, I didn't know what to expect, but now looking back, I didn't expect it was going to be as physical as it was because like while well, we're in the car, but then we were jumping out of the car, like at different locations and then, you know, walking up hills, like to check out like a home or like a building or anything like that. And the physical part of it, I think that's why like you know, even though we worked like twelve to fourteen hour days, we would just like you go back to the hotel and you sleep like without any problems. So I know for me coming back, um, my dreams were very intense because I saw myself again in in the missions um, that we did every day. So one of the highlights about the team that I think is very interesting and very powerful is that everyone spoke Spanish. Jason, how do you think that? the fact that everyone spoke Spanish helped in any way make this mission even more accessible?
2: So there was open uh, communication between us and the people we were meeting with. We didn't need a translator in between. We could directly communicate to the people that we were meeting with, and they could also communicate directly to us without an interpreter in the middle. So I think that was uh, very beneficial in our mission over there.
1: And what about you, Jose?
2: Yeah, it's just like making
3: those connections, you know, it, because it's like just seeing the evidence, like, again, just from Jason's previous deployment, just when we walked up to Guayanilla and then just that connection he had with, with, with that individual, when he saw him again, it was just like, it was just like, oh man, he he knows it's somebody that cares uh, and, you know, is putting effort into what's happening and just going to neighborhood and neighborhood, hearing their stories and understanding you know more than just the tragedy and unfortunate events that happen to them they, they give you more stories about the neighborhood and recurring events and, and what they do and how the community is coming together to try to help each other so just hearing that and seeing you know where we could fit in and and you know help them and, ampl- and make things better for them it was more like hey we're getting to know the people we're helping them with with what they what we can. And um building connections at, uh along the way. Um,
1: uh, Jason, given that you you are the senior member in this podcast and how many times you've been deployed, did you prepare emotionally uh differently the first time to the second time? What was that thought process for you going back to like a disaster zone?
2: I did see some of the news stories that were being uh aired prior to our deployment, kind of just trying to get an assessment of what I was going to be experiencing and witnessing. Um, so I took a look at some of that stuff, looked at some of the damage that was being done. Um, but as far as any other preparation, that was that was probably the majority of it. Just kind of getting an idea what was done, what happened.
1: And what about you, Jose? Like not having done a deployment emotionally, if you had to do it again, how would you prepare for that part of it?
3: I don't, I, I, I will just be excited, honestly. I love helping people. So it's like anything I could do to to give back to just people in general is, uh, I love it. You know, I love to be at service. Like, uh, it's like, a, it's a good feeling when you do, do stuff for a community and people appreciate it. It goes, it goes a long way, you know, because some people might not appreciate it, but others, you know, they truly, it, it could be very, you know, life-changing for them.
1: I think what I remember the most for me, the emotional part that I it kind of weighed on us is that as we were walking through the different municipalities and people have all of their belongings in the street, you know, and they're cleaning their houses and this smell of bleach, you know, after they're cleaning to take, get rid of mold and anything like that. And just, I think that the sense of that, that they were excited to see us in a way that they knew that we were offering help, and I and I'm just, you know, after having they've been through so many disasters already, and just the resiliency to like see people that are just picking things up all over again. So it is now time for rapid response. And if you're a first time listener, it's very simple. Prep talk will ask a question, and our guest will give the first answer that comes to mind. Before rapid response, here's a message from New York City Emergency Management.
0: New York City needs your help to make our communities safer, stronger, and better prepared. Support your community by getting involved in the NYC Emergency Management Share Your Space Survey. Do you manage or own a facility in NYC with a large interior room, like a community center? A place of worship? or a campus facility? These can be used for outreach, for training, as a gathering space in an emergency, or as a disaster recovery center for your community. Community spaces can be used as a resource before, during, and after an emergency. Organizations citywide are encouraged to participate. Go to nyc.gov share your space survey. There, you can register your space. By working together, we can build resilient communities, one space at a time. Learn more at nyc.gov/share-your-space-survey or call three one one. It's time for prep talk rapid response.
1: So now we're back for rapid response. I'm going to ask the question and you have to just answer the first thing that comes to mind. What is one emergency item you can now live without? Jason.
2: A cell phone.
1: Okay. What about you, Jose? I'll
3: say my hatchet.
1: <laughs> Your hatchet. Is, is that an inside joke for works?
3: No, no. I actually, you know, I use a hatchet. It's very multifunctional tool. <laughs>
1: Are you able to check that at the airport or how, how does, um, that, does that carry on? No.
3: Well, well, I think maybe. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, but I should. Check I baggage. <laughs> when um, you need firewood, you wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good to know. Good to know. Um, so Jason, what is one important emergency tip people should remember?
2: I would abide by any of the notices that maybe some states may issue so if you're told to evacuate i would i would do so i would listen um obviously they're telling you to do so because it might be something that might be hazardous to your license and safety so i would just abide by any uh notices given by public officials or government
1: um and what about you jose
3: Say, don't become a, a, a victim. You know, a second victim, victim. Just be aware and uh, assess every situation you're in before you, you you go in, because we could walk into very, you know, precarious
1: situations. Uh, one tip that I learned from our trip was that you should always have food with you because you don't know when you will have access to food. In a disaster area, there's not going to be a bodega on the corner. There's not likely to be, you know, a taco truck in the park. Um, Because as you guys remember, we bought plenty of food, but nobody remembered to put the food in the cars.
3: But surprisingly, there, there was a lot of fruit trees around. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, and then you know and you had your knife so
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Both, a lot of us <laughs>
1: that is true that is true um, so Jason do you have a favorite disaster theme movie or TV-, TV show that you like
2: uh, the oldie but Armageddon I would say I think that's everybody's go to <laughs> yeah that's a great one agree <laughs> that,
3: that, that was a very good one <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, so yeah, at that point, like, what do you do? Is like the asteroid is coming, so.
3: San Bruce Willis. Bruce
1: Willis. <laughs> 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 okay, and then just one final question. Can you sum up the work that you do in one word, Jason?
3: Uh, regulator. I'll say hazardous.
1: Hazardous, because trees, as we learn in our experience in Puerto Rico, <laughs> Mother Nature is very strong. Yes. It's very powerful. Uh, Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and to our listeners to let them know what the the deployment was like and what the city agencies were able to do for the people in Puerto Rico and anything else that in the future that I'm sure you guys will be available, right?
3: Yes,
2: definitely. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Thank you so much. That's this episode of Prep Talk.
0: If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.